0: I am incapable of picking bananas at the grocery store. Have I ever told you that? Uh, they go bad, like, immediately? It does not matter if they are green, middle, yellow, brown. It does not matter. It does not matter the condition a banana is in. The moment it enters my home, it wilts.
1: Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 271. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Perlman, and I'm joined this evening, afternoon, morning drive to work by the one and only Samantha Har. That's me.
0: Hey, hey, you know, hi. You want to fight right now? Yeah. <laughs> That's a long drive. I don't know, man. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, maybe can we not- at least meet halfway, like yeah, we'll, we'll meet, meet in Lakeland? We'll meet at uh,
1: exit exit 55, Hain- the Haines City exit.
0: Haint city,
1: Haines city exit.
0: Oh, I thought you meant haints like ghosts in the mountains. Haint? What? <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Never mind.
1: <laughs> haints? Is that like a weird haint. thing, Haunt?
0: Kinda. You've never heard of haints?
1: Not unless it's like someone's like haint going to the store. Oh
0: my god! What? How? <sighs> Not southern enough. Never heard of a haint. I think that's just mountains. Like could be. <laughs> But anyway, no, I I don't want to meet you halfway between our our homes to fight in a parking lot somewhere.
1: Uh, So are we just going to have to talk about it then?
0: I think we're just going to have to talk about it. And combat
1: in general, which is... Oh, that was a weird intro. Yes, this episode we are talking about combat. Given the fact that in Kamigawa Neon Boogaloo there's going to be both ninjutsu and vehicles, we thought... Before we do our pre-release episode, we would just go over
0: combat. Combat.
1: Yeah, fight.
0: Fisticuffs.
1: So the last time we did an episode on combat was about three, four years ago. So,
0: you know, it's about,
1: about due. I wonder if much has changed with combat in three or four years. Not a lot, but I was actually going through the details of the rules, and there were a few places where I was just like, ah, is that the way that works? <laughs> It, it was real nitpicky stuff which we'll 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 get to cause you know, Judge Cast, the podcast for the discerning rules nerd.
0: I lo- that's one of the reasons I I'd, I'd love just rereading parts of the rules sometimes, cause there's always stuff that I'm like, huh. Well ain't that just it, ain't that just the way of it. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? I'll never see that again. And then I don't and then I don't. And then you don't. Oh, <laughs> there's there's definitely
1: definitely some rules in, in, in combat that's like,
0: that's never gonna come. But we're still going to talk about some of them. Right. I saw you made some notes on banding down here. We'll get I, to that. I just said that
1: this is where you declare banding if you're going to do a band. We're not going to explain. Look, we don't talk about banding in polite company.
0: I don't think it's been in anything since 5th edition.
1: So Was it in 5th edition? Been a, I don't
0: know.
1: Anyway, with ninjutsu and vehicles coming up, we figured it would be a good time to go over the rules for combat. So, when is... So, Sam, when is, when is combat? When do, when do we fight? After we
0: scream Mortal Kombat? You can. That is an option. Um, in Magic the Gathering, the card game, typically you, you do the combat right in the middle of a turn sandwich. <laughs> so you got beginning phase, first main, and then combat, and then second main, and then ending. But combat right in the middle.
1: And it's probably the most dynamic part of the turn. Unless you're a dirty filthy combo player. So we're gonna talk about the combat shortcut at the end. So we're gonna go over we're gonna go over the, the actual rules, and then at the end we're gonna say, okay, well here's the tournament shortcut that kinda takes those rules and kind of bends it over its knee. Saucy. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Alright. What's what's the difference between what's the difference between a step and a phase?
0: So a phase is broken down into multiple steps. Like you say, except when it isn't. <laughs> except, you know, yeah. don't ask too many questions. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, the beginning phase is broken up into untap, upkeep, draw. Then we have the first main phase, which is broken up into nothing.
0: It's like, just the main yep. phase.
1: Then we have combat, which is broken up into five steps. Then we have the second main, which is no steps. And then we'll have the ending phase, which is broken up in into two or more steps depending i guess combat could be six
0: steps. it could be but a lot of things could be a lot of things in this game
1: so what are what are the phases or what are the steps of combat
0: all right so five steps normally Mm -hmm. you have beginning of combat you have declare attackers declare blockers combat damage and end of combat so, during combat, the active player is the attacking player. Easy enough. Their creatures are the only ones that can attack. Simple. The non-active player is the defending player. They they and their planeswalkers can be attacked. Yep.
1: Now, there are some multiplayer variants where multiple players can become the defending player.
0: Right. Okay.
1: And there are some multiplayer variants where only a certain number of, of non-active players can de- become defending players. But strangely enough, in Magic, the default in a multiplayer game is that only one player gets chosen as the defending player. Everything oh, that's else,
0: interesting. I didn't know that.
1: Everything else is a variant. But that's just how you play. So, weird.
0: See, I know that the notes say only creatures can attack or block, but I think that's only if you don't believe in yourself enough. So that I can attack or block? You can attack anytime you want, you know? I mean, it's going to get you disqualified, but that option's available to you.
1: Fair. But <laughs> but typically, only, only creatures can attack or block. And only play, players or planeswalkers can be attacked. And And what's, what's funny is those two statements are actually going to answer a lot of mid-combat type-changing rules questions. So... You know things like, well, what happens if my creature stops being a creature mid combat? Well, if it ain't a creature, it can't attack or block. You know what happens if a planeswalker gets removed in in combat? It's like, well, you know, you're not attacking that planeswalker anymore.
0: Can't attack things that leave.
1: What's the, that first step? That beginning of combat step? How do we get into that step? How like how do we how do we transition from the main phase into that beginning of combat step?
0: Everyone has to agree that the main phase is over, <laughs> basically. Yep. Everybody passes priority, right? So everyone says, "No more, I am done. Let's move on." And then you do. And we have a
1: there is the combat shortcut that we talked about. It's a little, it's a little weird, a little time travelly. It kind of has some implied priority passes in there, more than one. So we'll we'll talk about it. But generally speaking, if you say something like oh, "I'll go to combat," or you know, you scream Mortal Combat or something along those lines. Uh, you're going to go into the beginning of combat step. If the opponent's like,
0: sure, sure enough. All right, so so at the at the beginning of com- at the beginning of combat step, the opponent becomes the defending player as a turn based action, and the active player gets priority. And that's kind of it. Basically, it gives you a chance to each get get priority before moving along to all the complicated stuff.
1: Players get priority. There's an opportunity. There are things that trigger on the beginning of combat step. Those triggers go on the stack after the opponent becomes the defending player. They resolve, and the fate, the, the step pretty much exists just to give the non-active player a chance to do stuff before uh, the active player starts turning turning creatures sideways.
0: The beginning of combat step is like the main phase of the combat phase. <laughs>
1: it's to give the attacking or sorry the defending player an opportunity to cast or to activate activate fast effects no to cast instants and activate abilities in a period of time where the active player can no longer cast sorceries uh, or creature spells
0: oh I was going to say that's that's the point at which you as the active player get to look at your opponent and say any last words <laughs>
1: So during beginning of combat, you can go ahead and crew your vehicles. There's really not much difference between crewing your vehicles during the main phase and the beginning of combat step.
0: People seem very nitpicky about that, and I haven't quite figured it out, but I also don't use vehicles in any of my decks. There's a lot. There
1: are some people that, that really feel like they're giving away information if they do it during the main phase. And in the vast majority of cases, those people just need to get over themselves.
0: Maybe they just need to hear some good jobs. Good job.
1: Good job. <laughs> All right. Both players pass priority, and we're going to leave the beginning of combat step. What comes what comes next?
0: Next up, we go straight to Fight Club, Declare Attackers step. So turn-based action, you declare the attackers. This action is turn-based action, so it doesn't use the stack, and this can't be responded to because it's a turn-based action. If the opponent wanted to stop you from declaring a creature as an attacker, well, that's what the beginning of combat was for, <laughs> and we done left it behind in the dust. So it's go time, baby. So steps for declaring attackers: first, choose which creatures will attack. They must be untapped and either have haste or have started the turn on your side. So funny,
1: funny story, casual deck. Since you're calling this, uh, since you're referring to this as Fight Club. Uh, I used to have a casual, casual multiplayer deck um, that I called the Eighth Rule of Fight Club.
0: Why is it the Eighth
1: Rule of what is it? What is the Eighth Rule of Fight Club? The Eighth Rule of Fight Club is if this is your first night at Fight Club, you have to fight.
0: Oh, and it was just okay. Just a bunch
1: of creatures with haste.
0: <laughs> That's clever. I like that. <laughs> All right. So next up, step two here: declare what those creatures are attacking. Planeswalkers, multiple opponents. In a two-player game, it is assumed that you are attacking the defending player if you don't specify. So if you care, do specify. If you don't, that's the default. And then step three, check to make sure you aren't violating any restrictions. I mean, I, I feel like you should always be checking to make sure you're not violating any restrictions, but now is exactly the time to do it. So next up, check to see if the creature you control, not just the creatures that are attacking are affected by any attacking requirements. So, so what are some attacking requirements? What, what does that look like, Brill? Um Attacks each turn, if able,
1: is probably one of the most common attacking requirements.
0: Yeah. I definitely have run into that before. So you want to check to see if you are meeting the maximum number of requirements without violating any attacking restrictions, if an attacking requirement makes you pay a cost, you don't have to pay that cost. So what what why do we use the phrase makes you then? Um, what do you, what do you mean by that? Okay,
1: so if I have if I have a card that says this creature must attack each turn. Okay. So I have that creature and then you put an enchantment on it that says I I have to pay one mana to attack with that creature. Then in that particular case I have a requirement that says I, I have to attack, but then I have another thing that um. says I have to pay. And the game actually says, eh, you don't actually, if, if the creature can't attack unless the player pays a cost, I'm not required to pay that cost. Even if, that, even if attacking with that creature would increase the, the number of requirements being obeyed. So you can't get... That makes sense. Yeah, you can't get Trixie and force me to activate mana ability. I mean, basically what that boils down to is is you can't force me to activate mana abilities.
0: Well, I won't even try then. Excellent. (laughs) So if a requirement says, quote unquote, attacks each turn if able, and you have multiple combat steps, that requirement has to be met each declare attacker step if the creature is able to attack. I feel like that got me on the L2 test. Yeah. Something about that.
1: So if if a creature, if if you have three combats and you attack with a creature, says attacks with each turn if able, and you attack during the first combat and you want to hold that creature back for the second because, well, it did attack this turn. Three
0: combats.
1: Yeah, no, three. Three combats. Three combats. Get in there. Three. Yeah. What? Bless their heart. Two? Okay. Well, if you're doing multiple combats, you're wanting to go infinite. (laughs) So yeah, if a requirement says uh, a taxi turn if able, it it doesn't mean you get just get to attack once and be like, nah, I'm good. Because it's like that SpongeBob meme where you're just huffing and puffing, just just give me a second, guys. I'm gonna.
0: The creatures haven't unionized yet. They haven't. They don't have any workers' rights. They they just have to go in there each time.
1: Oh. <laughs> yep. So uh, so yeah. So you are. So the example. From, uh, from the rules, if a player controls two creatures, w- uh, one with attacks if able, and one with no abilities, and an effect states no more than one creature can attack each turn, the only legal attack is for just the creature that attacks if able to, uh, uh, to attack. It's illegal to attack with the other creature, or attack with both, or attack with neither. This game's complicated. Yeah. Yeah, and you can actually get into some weird situations where uh like for example, I have I have a creature that says uh this creature can only attack with another creature, right? And then they want to
0: go together to the bathroom. Yeah,
1: the creature wants to go, you know, Red Rover, Red Rover send two it just wants its friends. It's it's, it's scared <laughs> to go over with its friends. And then on that creature, so you've got a creature that says I have to attack with a buddy okay, I can't attack alone, and you have just a vanilla bear cup. Then the opponent slaps on a effect that says that creature that can't attack alone must attack, okay? So I have a requirement that says it must attack, and a restriction that says it can't attack alone, and so I have to satisfy the most requirements. I, my, you know, I can't, not attack, because I have a requirement that says I have to attack. And I can meet that by having my little bear cub join in in the attack. So that in that particular situation, you can actually force another creature to attack.
0: They gotta do it. Yep. They gotta buddy up. Yep.
1: It's kind of weird, but...
0: So tell, tell them what the next part
1: is. Okay, so the next part is, if any of the chosen creatures have banding... Or bands with other, then the active player announces which creatures, if any, are banded with with the other creatures, and we are not going to talk. We're I'm going to invoke the uh, first rule of Fight Club, for
0: for banding for this particular episode. First rule of Judge Fight Club is we don't talk about banding. Yeah. So after all of that, um, there's another, now
1: there's a there's huh? another mechanic. I think it's substance. What on earth is substance? There, there was a mechanic, and this was during the gap when I took time off for playing, so I don't, so it like came and went. But it was like, if you cast a particular spell during your main phase, then it gained substance. And that basically meant that it just wasn't sacrificed at the end of turn. It was like on some cards that if you played them as flash, they went away at the end of turn. But if you cast them as, they were like enchantments that you could play at instant speed. But if you played them at instant speed, uh, they went away at the end of the turn. So they were just kind of like one-turn combat tricks. But you could also cast them as enchantments. And there was like okay. something weird where they, when you cast them as an enchantment, they gained substance. And then substance kept them from being sacrificed at the end of turn. And then the rules managers just decided that was stupid and then just changed the wording on all the cards.
0: All right. I'm losing my mind because, yeah, I, I'm looking up substance right now. Oh, it, on the, like, wiki, and it says, it's from Ravnica City of Guilds, reminder text, no official reminder text, statistics never printed on a magic card. Yeah. What is this? So, it, it was... <laughs> Substance is a static ability with no effect. Excellent, glad it's there.
1: <laughs> so, what happened was, is, so they made cards that did a thing, and then they realized that they either had to change the rules, or, or when they changed the rules, it didn't work anymore, so the the Oracle text didn't work anymore. So they had to come up with this substance patch to make the cards work. And then when they changed the rules another way, they were able to get rid of the get rid of that keyword. Yeah. Okay. Old ruling. Uh, you could play. There were some cards. You could play one of these any you could normally play an aura. Put directly into play without being played. It will behave as a standard aura. You could ignore the first substance was first introduced into the rules with Ravnica: City of Guilds in two thousand five. It restored the original functionality to a set of cards that no longer functioned as they had when they were first printed due to timing rules changes in the 6th edition rules update. So this is Ravnica, which came out around like 9th edition. So apparently they'd done something to bust some cards up in the 6th edition rules update.
0: This is really dredging up old history. Yeah, that 2005 is. was the year I graduated high school. I had, And in fact, in, in 2005, I had recently quit playing Yu-Gi-Oh!, because my kid was born in
1: 2005, so I'm feeling old. Now you put it's a good year. Now you put me in a
0: mood. Oh, I've bummed you out. Yeah, now I'm all bummed, feeling, feeling, feeling my age. Well, the good news is that after all those steps, all those bits to this step, you can now finally get to the part where you tap the creatures. <laughs> yeah, after all that. We're just now at the part where you tap some creatures. Yeah. You thought when you chose which creatures we were attacking, you got to
1: tap them. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no.
0: <laughs> no, no, friends.
1: Yep. All right. So now sometimes there will be optional costs to attack. And, and or sometimes there'll just be uh, there's there's going to be sometimes there's going to be optional costs. Sometimes there's actual cost costs. So, examples, uh, Ghostly Prison is an enchantment that says creatures can't attack you unless their controller pays two for each creature they control. That is a non-optional cost. And then another one is uh, Tide Serpent, which says Tide Serpent can't attack unless you return an enchantment you control to its owner's hand. Okay. Those are costs.
0: Those are the kind of costs that if, if you don't pay them, then they send goons with, with clubs at, to your home to them. Yep. To get their money. Yep.
1: Then you determine the total costs to attack. That cost gets locked in. This is starting to sound a little bit like the steps to casting a spell, but you determine the total cost that gets locked in. You may activate mana abilities during this turn-based action of declaring attackers. Activate mana abilities, and then you can pay the costs in any order. Can I ask a silly question?
0: Yes. Why might the order
1: matter? There are... Examples in the steps to casting a spell where order might matter, and I can I can give you an example of that off the top of my head. For example, there is a, I think the card's called, like, Momentous Fall or something. It's, it's two green green, sacrifice a creature, draw cards equal to its power. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I have a card like Omnath, Locus of Mana, which is two and a green, and... Green mana doesn't empty from your mana pool, and Omnath is a 1-1. But it gets plus 1, plus 1 for each green mana in your mana pool. Okay? So if I've got 10, or let's say 9 green mana in my mana pool, Omnath is a 10-10. I cast Momentous Fall. Momentous Fall makes me sacrifice a creature as an additional cost, and then I draw cards equal to its power. If I sacrifice the creature, if I pay the cost of sacrificing the creature before I pay the cost of the mana... Omnath was a 10/10 10, 10 when I sacrificed it. If I pay the mana first, Omnath oh, is a 6/6 six, six when I sacrifice melts. it. Okay.
0: That's good stuff. So so it's kind of kind of like that just with combat stuff. So
1: in general it probably doesn't matter. I am I'm actually probably sure that there is a situation with Flood Tide Serpent where it says you can't attack unless you return an enchantment you control to its owner's hand. I feel fairly certain that there is some situation in there where it would matter.
0: Well, audience, if you if you have any examples, let us know because I'm I'm fascinated. Yeah, it's good stuff.
1: At that point, after you pay the costs, so so you've tapped the creatures, you've paid the costs, and now those creatures, uh, still controlled, because I guess effects could change the controller, and chosen to attack, become the
0: attacking creatures. That is a very important distinction. Apparently, that at that specific point. They become attacking creatures. Yeah.
1: Now, I should also point out that anywhere in this process, if it's determined that you're doing anything illegal, the whole thing just backs up, okay? So, if it turns in that you determine the total cost and you can't pay it, we're going to back everything up. We find out that you violated a a restriction, we back up, and we go into the section of the rules for handling illegal actions, where we just reverse everything.
0: So, don't be illegal, or we got to do it again.
1: Now, in general, um, this isn't kind of the way it works. Like, you don't actually go through these steps. You kind of look at the end state you want. and I want these creatures attacking. And then you figure out what you need to go to get there. And then you just do a bunch of stuff in in whatever order you feel like. But these are the actual technical steps you have to go through.
0: Just do the stuff. (laughs) Just do the thing.
1: But now you have attacking creatures. And stuff might trigger.
0: All right, so now abilities that trigger when attackers are declared trigger. So those types of abilities only check at this specific point, and they don't trigger if a, cre- if a creature attacks and then changes later to match the ability's trigger condition. So this, this is the only time to find out. You can't get cute later. So there, there are four flavors of these types of trigger. So first one, whenever a creature attacks... Only triggers when your critter is turned sideways during Declare Attackers. What's the second one? Uh,
1: The second one is whenever, okay, whenever this creature or whenever a player or planeswalker, or sorry, whenever a player or planeswalker is attacked, those types of triggers, triggers that start with that, only trigger when your critter is turned sideways during Declare Attackers. So basically, hey, same thing as the previous trigger, right?
0: Yeah, and then look at this. Number three, whenever a player attacks with a creature, only triggers when your critter is turned sideways during Declare Attackers. Hey, hey, all right. And whenever
1: this creature or whenever a creature attacks and isn't blocked, <laughs> say it with me. Oh, nope, psych.
0: Only trigger. Oh. Yep,
1: yep psych. Oh. Yeah, This. <laughs> this is going to trigger during Declare Blockers because get out of here like you can't be like oh Got him. I, I declared it as an attacker and it isn't blocked yet because we haven't gotten to declare a blocker so right now it's not blocked so i can ninjutsu out my my creature here because it's attacking and not blocked get out of here with that come on now
0: that you're, you're getting real existential like aren't we all technically in our hearts unblocked in this life like stop it okay
1: no. now you say that but there is a um rule in the MTR that talks about if a player requests priority and then does nothing with it, then it, then that, that request for priority is kind of nullified and it reverts back to the active player because players used to do things like during your main phase, like, so we're playing and during the your during your main phase, I'd be like, uh, I'd like to do something, Samma, can I have priority? And you would say, yes, I passed priority to you, Brian. And I then would say, I passed priority back to you. We advanced the the com- beginning of combat step.
0: What, is, what on earth is the point of that?
1: Because I just cheated you out of your turn, essentially.
0: Oh, that, oh my God. Come on. Boo.
1: <laughs> you were going to cast a creature, but I was like, hey, can I do something first? And you said yes. So you passed priority to me, and I passed it back to you. And that's the condition... So that's
0: so trifling.
1: (laughs) It is trifling. Um, Got him. But there are people that like look and they get real nitpicky and they look at things and they try and go like, "Mm." like if this rule wasn't there, then people would try and argue that their creature uh, before blockers are declared is technically unblocked,
0: isn't blocked. That's goofiness. Get out of here. It is. (laughs) Well, so after all of that, now the active player Gets priority, yep. so now now it is is additional go time. <laughs> so creatures can be put onto the battlefield attacking via spells or effects. When this happens, the controller of the effect chooses which defending player or which planeswalker it's attacking, unless the effect that's putting it onto the battlefield specifies when it's attacking. So these creatures creatures that that. Work this way. They are attacking, but technically, they never "quote unquote" attacked. That which that was one of the things when I was first really learning magic rules that just I I was ready to walk away over.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I was I was ready to pitch a fit.
1: So, like spells and effects, <laughs> like that that say like untap each creature that attacked this turn, and you put in a um, like you had that uh, what is it, Adeline? Resp- uh, resp- Resplendent Cathar from Midnight Midnight Hunt. It says whenever you attack for each oh, yeah. opponent, for each opponent, create a one-one white human creature token that's tapped and attacking that player or planeswalker they control. So that, that's an example of a card that specifies who it's who it's attacking. You know, it's it's you you're putting it into play for each opponent. Okay, but those. One one white human creature tokens that are tapped and attacking did not attack or are so they're attacking.
0: They just appeared from the ether in a state of attacking. They never did the did the action that we consider having attacked. Yep, which is so specific. It is, but and not intuitive. But it is what it is. Them's the rules, baby. Yup. So also by with, with all this going on, they get to bypass any requirements and restrictions. They're sneaky.
1: Yes. So if you had something like, let's, let's use Adeline Resplendent Cathar as an example again. Her power is equal to the number of creatures you control. If there was a restriction that said creatures with a power less than two can't attack, and you've got a bunch of creatures, uh, you know, Adeline is a 4-4 at that time, and you swing with her, she's gonna put a bunch of one one white human human creatures into the battlefield. And they're attacking. You know, even though there's an effect that says, you know, any creature with power or two or less can't attack. Nope, those one ones just kind of skirted around it.
0: This is one of those things that makes me go, well well, I thought can't beats can, but if that's the way of it, then that's the way of it.
1: Yeah. Well, the the fact of the matter is, is can't got checked already. We already passed the we already passed TSA, <laughs> you know,
0: TSA cleared us. Now run. <laughs> right.
1: Like I can't bring I can't bring uh, like I might not be able to get my bring my water bottle through TSA, but I can buy a water bottle after I go through.
0: I read a story recently about somebody arguing with TSA because they, they had a big old bottle of ice. They were like, it's not a liquid. <laughs> and I guess technically that I is true. However, making that argument. I can see most people that choose to be magic judges making that argument. Yeah. I think that's the kind of people we are deep down in our hearts. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, if an ability of an attacking creature refers to a defending player, then the defending player is the player, or controller of the Planeswalker, that creature is attacking, or was attacking, before it was removed from combat. The person you're attacking is the person you're attacking. Yep,
1: pretty much. And then, there's one card... One card that, I hesitate to even talk about this, that lets you reselect what creatures are attacking. It lets you reselect which player or planeswalker a creature is attacking. Portal Mage is Flash. It's a two and a blue for a two-two Flash that says, when, When Portal Mage enters the battlefield during the declare attacker step, you may reselect which player or planeswalker target attacking creature
0: is attacking. Is this one of those things where you're afraid if you say its name it will become stronger? Uh, maybe. All right. So <laughs> the the just real quick.
1: Okay, I'll just talk about it real quick. Or the attacking creature isn't removed from combat and it isn't considered to have attacked a second time. Okay, so it's not like, oh well, it left it left combat and now it's back so that's two attacks. Nope. It's just it's still considered to. It, um, the creature is attacking the reselected player or planeswalker, but it's still considered to have attacked the player or planeswalker chosen as it was declared as an attacker.
0: It just glitches. Yeah.
1: It's, it's, it's a little glitch in the system. It's uh, the Wreck It Ralph glitch. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see here. When reselecting a player or planeswalker of a creature, that creature isn't affected by the requirements or restrictions that apply during the declare attacker, so you can get around that. And I think that's all I want to say about this card. Yep, sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I had never heard of this card before, and it sounds like I probably am just going to steer clear of it, frankly.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was from one of the commander sets. Because, <sighs> shocker. Of
0: course it was. Of course, of course it, it was. was. <laughs> I, I could have told you that. I don't even know why. Of course. Could have guessed that one. Yeah. Um, so with the return to Kamigawa, here's something important. You cannot ninjutsu during declare attackers. Don't do it. Yeah, can't do it. Can't do it.
1: Now, this is now. This is something that's kind of neat. If no attackers are declared as attackers or put onto the battlefield attacking, the declare blockers and the combat damage steps steps just don't happen
0: that's one of those things that I knew to be the case but always kind of wondered like why would that even matter to specify but now I kind of know why it matters to specify
1: yeah because because what would happen if you had a declare blocker step and nothing was attacking what would you do? Do 2. you <laughs> do uh, yeah all right so so there's you know we've got both our players with priority uh, they have activated whatever abilities they want to, and now both players pass priority, and we do what?
0: Well, I think it's time to declare some blockers, friend. Yeah. The declare blockers step. So a couple of turn-based actions here. You declare dim blockers. Mm -hmm. Turn-based action doesn't use a stack. Can't be responded to. If the attacking player wanted to stop you from declaring a creature as a blocker, well, once again, that ship has sailed. Yes. Too late.
1: And speaking of sailing ships, if you wanted to crew your vehicle that happens to be a ship in order to use it as a blocker, you should have done that in the declare blockers or sorry, the declare attacker step. Now, technically, there is an out of order sequencing thing where you can do like block, block, crew, block as a as a solid block of actions that's in the out of order sequence that's in the description for out of order sequencing. But we're just talking about the strict rules here.
0: Strictly speaking, Strictly speaking, that ain't the time.
1: Technically correct is the best kind of correct.
0: Tr- Spoken absolutely like a true judge. <laughs> so, <laughs> declaring blockers is similar to declaring attackers. You first up, you choose which creatures will block. They must be untapped. For each chosen creature as a blocker, choose one creature for it to block.
1: Yeah. Unless there's a rule that and- modifies
0: um, Every, everything in the magic
1: rules is like, do this thing. Yeah, I know. I just, unless you don't. As, as, I know. It's just as soon as as soon as soon I you read, like, creatures must be untapped, I was like, well, there's that card in Kamigawa that lets tapped creatures do blocking.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's always some card that lets you do something. And then there's that's, palace that, guards. That's why it's a game. That's then why then it's
1: fun. palace guards that can block additional creatures. And then there's hundred-handed ones that can... And then, yeah. I, I just had a moment of being that judge. <laughs>
0: Okay. There's just a well of ease just in inside of you waiting to come out. It just bubbled up like like some sort of muck in a bad Star Trek: The Next
1: Generation episode.
0: I do it too sometimes. It's okay. All right. Next up, defending player checks each restriction to make sure none are being disobeyed. Some things create non-obvious restrictions, like flying. It flying is technically a restriction.
1: Yeah, like what you can't block. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So be mindful. Then after that, we check each creature for blocking requirements, not just the creatures we chose to block, like this creature must block. We must satisfy those re- the most requirements without breaking any restrictions for the block to be legal. If blocking would require the controller to pay a cost, that block isn't considered when determining the max requirements, kind of like we talked about earlier with the paying costs. They can't make you spend that mana cash. Yeah,
1: and when we're determining the blocking requirements and and, uh, restrictions, we're actually looking at each creature the defending player controls, not just the creatures involved in the block.
0: So next, you determine the cost of the block and lock it in, activate your mana abilities, pay the costs in any order, and the creatures become blocking creatures. And remi- and they remain blocking creatures till they are removed from combat or the combat phase ends. Hey, those creatures are now blocking. There they are. That's the point. Right there. That is the point at which. Yep. Now, we're still not
1: technically done with the turn-based actions yet. So, so you're like, now, oh no. now can I ninjutsu? No, no, no. No. We still have other things to do.
0: We're not done housekeeping yet. All right, so at this point, attacking creatures with one or more creatures blocking it becomes a blocked creature. Ta-da! Yep. Attacking creatures with zero creatures blocking it becomes an unblocked creature, officially. Ta-da! Ta-da! (laughs) Ta-da! This remains unchanged until the creature is removed from combat or an effect says it becomes blocked or the combat phase ends. So, it is possible to attack have the creature become unblocked mm-hmm. then ninjutsu a creature then another spell is cast that puts a creature into play blocking the ninjutsu creature yeah that's some tech yeah you could you could live your life that way if you chose yeah
1: and when we say like another spell really we're we're, we're just talking about flash foliage but we're not quite there yet okay because the blocks just occurred oh oh any of the triggers any of the abilities that trigger on blockers uh, being declared would trigger right now. If they're not put on the stack yet. Oh no! So you might be wondering, you know, hey, now that the block has occurred, and we say that the creatures are blocked and unblocked and stuff like that, what about this? What about this damage assignment order? When we? When that just, doesn't that happen during declare blockers? Well, we're gonna talk about that right now. So, have you had to deal a whole lot with uh with damage assignment order, or were you a judge when they made this change?
0: Oh gosh, I have no idea. Well, what was it before
1: uh damage used to be on the stack
0: oh god no no that that never that was a long faded memory even by the time I became a judge
1: okay so the whole thing with combat uh, with damage assignment order is kind of a little bit of a patch to fix where combat damage used to be on the stack okay so what used to happen is if I had a three three. And I attacked, and you had, uh, two, two, twos, a bear cub and a grizzly bear. You know, you, you've got a card in your hand that can, uh, you've got a giant growth in your hand. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna be able to save, um, or sorry, I'm attacking with a, with a four, four. Okay. You're gonna be able to save, with your giant growth, you're gonna be able to save one of those two creatures, the bear cub or the grizzly bear. Obviously, you right. want to save the bear cub, but maybe for whatever reason, you don't, um, I'm sorry. No, I would be attacking with a with a with a three three, and you want to save your creature. So when I would do the when when damage use the stack, I would say I'm going to put two damage on the bear cub and one damage on the grizzly bear. Now you know how much damage I'm doing to things, so you can say, ah, I'm going to use my giant growth to save my bear cub because I don't have to use it to save my grizzly bear because it's only taking one point of damage. That's the way things used to work. Now that damage is done all at once, well, how would I know if I attack with a 3-3 and you block with a grizzly bear and a bear cub, how do you know which bear to save? And that's where damage assignment order comes in. So this damage assignment order was kind of a patch in response to that change.
0: That's super interesting. So
1: for each attacking creature that has become blocked, the active player is going to announce the creature's damage assignment order. Now, if there's only one creature blocking it, it isn't announced. It's obvious. There's only one creature blocking it. There's no order. Okay. But if there are multiple blockers, okay, then you basically announce which creature you're going to deal lethal. When you, when you deal the lethal damage, uh, you're going to say, my 3-3 is going to deal damage to the first creature in the damage assignment order, it's going to deal lethal damage to that, or I have to assign, have to assign lethal damage to it before I can sp- assign more dam- spillover damage to the second creature. If I attack Sama with a 5-6 creature, just a random old 5-6, and Sama blocks with a 2-2 bear cub, a 1-1 elf token, and, or just a random 1-1 elf, and a 3-3 elephant token, I would be able to order them as, okay, well, I really want to kill that three, three elephant token, so I'll put that one first, and then I want to kill the bear, so I'll put that one next, and then I have the elf. In that particular situation, the elf is most likely going to live. I'm probably going to split the five damage up and say, three to the elf, two to the bear, or sorry, three, three to the elephant, two to the bear, and then I don't have any, there's, there's nothing to, to spill over to the elf. But I, I set up that order. Okay. Now I'm not assigning the damage yet. That happens during the combat damage step. I'm just setting up the order in which I'm going to do the damage to them. In um, I heard just someone, get
0: them standing in a nice orderly line.
1: Yeah, I actually heard someone describe it kind of like those old Bruce Lee kung fu movies where the bad guys would come up to Bruce Lee one at a time.
0: Right, <laughs> he wouldn't attack them
1: all at once. Yeah, he wouldn't actually attack them all at once. So they're going to come up in a line, and you, like, punch through the first one before you punch into the second one before you punch into the third. And I'm actually sitting in front of the mic making punches. But that's kind of the way uh, damage assignment order is. So, again, this is just, just the order. It's not the actual damage assignment. It's just that's the first one, that's the second one, that's the third one. Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah, so then you line them up. Yep. All right. So if a creature is removed as a blocker for some reason, it is removed hang from the damage assignment on. order.
1: Uh, yep. Okay, sorry.
0: sorry. Everything else stays the same.
1: <laughs> yeah. So if a, if a creature...
0: Get out of line.
1: Like in that example where we were talking about the elephant, the bear, and the elf, if the bear cub gets hit with a lightning bolt, and then because Samma really wants to save the bear cub, uh, she regenerates it somehow, the bear cub gets removed from combat. So now it's the the elf kind of steps up to take its place, like the whole chain below the bear cub kind of shifts up to take its place. So the assignment order is now elephant elf.
0: Makes sense. All right, so then there are some creatures with abilities that let it block multiple attackers. In that case, the defending player then assigns its combat damage order. Well, ain't that something?
1: Yeah, so the, <laughs> the attacker assigns combat damage order or Damage assignment order to the blocking creatures, and then if it happens, if there's a palace guard, if there's a hundred-handed one, then the defending player gets to be like, oh yeah, well, anything you can do, I can do more awkwardly.
0: <laughs> I'm going to do the same thing, but weirder. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. If an attacking creature is removed from combat or causes it to stop being blocked... It's removed from the damage assignment order. Yeah. Yeah. We already said that. Thought we already said that. Yep. Anyway. Now, now, finally, players get priority. And all those triggers that triggered when blockers were declared actually go onto the stack right now. So they've been, they've been hanging out in limbo. And yes, technically they triggered before damage assignment order and are, and are put on the stack. Now it's nitpicky, but this is the, the rules nerd content that you have Come here for, friends. That's why you were here.
1: All those triggers waiting to be put on the stack, uh, they're things like, now, now on the attack triggers, you notice that all of the the conditions were kind of the same. These ones are actually a little bit different. So whenever this creature blocks or whenever a creature blocks, this is going to trigger once regardless of how many creatures it blocks. Okay, because you're just going from a state of, you're just asking if it Blocks, or whenever it blocks. Okay. Even though it's blocking five things, it's still blocked once. Okay.
0: Next up, when whenever a creature blocks a creature, this will trigger for each creature blocked, because it's specifically looking for you blocking a creature to set it off.
1: A trigger that says whenever this creature, whenever a creature, whenever a creature becomes blocked, uh, this is going to trigger once, regardless of how many creatures uh, decide to pile on it. So it's only going to only look at the one trigger. And
0: then finally, whenever a creature becomes blocked by a creature, this will trigger for each blocking creature. Because again, you're looking for the creatures taking the actions as what's setting this off. So yeah, that's not too bad. Yeah. And
1: then there's also a trigger that says, the, those triggers that we talked about, that trigger that we talked about in the Declare Attackers, that says whenever a creature attacks and isn't blocked, this is going to trigger... For those creatures, this will even trigger for creatures that were never declared as an attacker, but were put onto the battlefield tapped in attacking. So this is kind of like a weird exception when we, say, when we say like it's attacking, but it never what? attacked. In this... Yes. No. Yeah. And this was actually the rule that when I stumbled on it, I was like, huh, for real?
0: This is why you're the L3. <laughs> well, I didn't know it before. Like, I would have... Probably failed. It. I'm I'm not sure I even know it now. That's oh, my God. Seriously. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Um, there it is. That's what it says. Yeah. All right. So now
1: let's talk about the few cards. And by the few cards, I mean all one of them that, <laughs> that I that I know of uh, that can put a creature into play blocking. What is this card? Flash saying?
0: Foliage. There he is from what it what even is is that dissension? I don't even know. I can't believe I know the set symbols that well. All right. Flash foliage is an instant for two and a green. And it says, put a one, one green saproling creature token into play, blocking target creature attacking you. Draw a card. This card's weird, but yeah. So you, you throw it, you throw a saproling out there and then you draw a card. Yeah. Um, you throw it onto the field and run away with your card. Mm-hmm. Poor saproling. So this creature isn't subject to blocking restrictions. It can block an unblockable creature. No. Yeah. What do what you? Oh my God. This game. <laughs> it is blocking, but it never blocked. Oh, here we go again. It's blocking, but it never blocked. Also, the active player gets to decide where to put it in the damage assignment order.
1: Yeah. So in our in our elephant, elephant, bear, cub, elf chain, uh, you can be like, oh, I'm going to stick it between uh, the elephant and the bear cub. Now.
0: So you got these creatures lined up. Yeah. You throw this sapperling onto the battlefield and say, it never blocked. Well, but then it gets in line attack- anyway.
1: The attacker gets to say, gets to choose where the little saperling's going to fit in the chain. It's like, hmm, now where in line are you standing? So what this, what this means is, so I can attack. My creature isn't blocked. I ninjutsu in another creature. And then my opponent goes, Ha! You thought you would be Trixie. I'm gonna be even trickier and fl- cast my Flash Foliage and block your ninja with my fern. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: one true enemy of the ninja. <laughs> the foliage. The foliage. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Yeah. And then we do the priority dance. Yep. Priority dance. Priority dance. The end. That's all I had. So next up, we have combat damage. (laughs) I was waiting for more. (laughs) No, that's it.
1: Okay. Um,
0: Next up, moving along to combat damage. So we are going to assume no first strike or double strike for this first pass. We'll we'll come back to that later. We'll do first strike last. I I have a story. (laughs) I have a story about first strike I'll tell later. Okay. So first... Active So first, active player announces how each attacking creature assigns its combat damage. Then the defending player announces how each blocking creature assigns its combat damage. This is a turn-based action, therefore doesn't use the stack. So here's a breakdown of this. (laughs) So first up, each attacking creature and each blocking creature assigns combat damage equal to its power. Creatures that would assign zero or less. Yeah. Anyway. Zero or less damage this way. Don't assign combat damage at all. Ornithopter is mad. Oh, <laughs> what's the next part, Brian?
1: So the unblocked the unblocked creatures just assign their combat damage directly to the player or planeswalker it was attacking. Now, sure, trample over plane. What is it? Trample over planeswalker can modify that particular bit. And 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 the next part that Sam is going to talk about, trample can modify that. But this isn't necessarily a Podcast about trample, but you know, there we go. So un- maybe someday. so it's unblocked creatures. Just the damage just goes straight to the player or planeswalker
0: directly to the face. Mm-hmm. So next up, blocked creatures assign assign it combat damage. It assigns its combat damage to the creature blocking it. If no creatures are currently blocking the blocked creature, it assigns no damage. Yeah. If yeah, I guess so. Yep. If exactly one creature is blocking, all the combat damage is assigned to the blocker. If there are multiple blockers, you assign combat damage in combat assignment order. We remember that from before. Mm -hmm. So you have to assign at least lethal damage to the first one before you can move on to assigning damage to the second one in the line and so on to the third all right. So, when considering lethal damage, you do get to consider damage already marked on the creature, damage that is going to be marked on it by another creature in the same combat damage step, or if the attacking creature has death touch. That's a fun one. Yeah.
1: Then then if it's got if the attacking creature says death touch, then only like a single point of damage is is lethal. Sufficient. It it deals death by touching.
0: Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, don't say it like that. Ew, yeah. <laughs> Ew. I, I don't know. That just gives me the willies. Uh,
1: <laughs> uh, okay, so now the blocking creature, the blocking creature, assigns combat damage to the creature the creature it's blocking. Okay, if it's not blocking anything currently, like the attacker got removed, then it's not going to not assign any combat damage. If it's blocking one creature, well, that's where all the damage is going to go. And if it's blocking multiple attackers. We go through the damage assignment order, just like we just did with with Sama. Now, everything's assigned. Everything's right with the world. That damage that we just figured all out is dealt simultaneously. Okay? This is also a turn-based action. If you wanted to do something before combat damage was assessed, you should have done that in the declare blocker step. And all, <laughs> we, yeah.
0: Brian and I just like getting on here and telling people, too late.
1: Too That is my favorite part of judging. Too bad. (laughs) Right. It's like today is February 1st. Did you get your Judge Academy renewals in by yesterday? If today, too late. All right. That's
0: mean. I have no control over that
1: whatsoever. But I. I do. I I know, and I endorse endorse you being mean about it. Not that you would be, but I would endorse it if you.
0: Polite but firm is how I like to live my life. Loving but firm.
1: All right. So all that damage that just got dealt simultaneously then gets translated into the uh, into results, uh, whether it's loss of life or gets changed into like milling cards with replacement effects. There's a whole there's there's enough in that area for another short podcast, um, just on like how damage gets translated into results, and it's not just combat damage. It's it's other damage gets translated into results too. It goes through the same process.
0: We'll do a a damage mega episode sometime. (laughs) Yes. Now anything that triggered based on taking damage goes on the stack and dead bodies are carted off to the field. And now active player gets priority. Straight off into the field. All right. So, oh gosh, first strike. Yeah. If at least one attacking or blocking creature has first strike or double strike, before we have our quote unquote regular combat damage step... We, ha- we have a combat damage step reserved for creatures with first strike or double strike. It's just set aside. It's like the VIP lounge. Oh, the VIP lounge of fight clubs. Right. So then, then we move on to the normies in the second combat damage step. That's for everyone that didn't do damage in the first strike combat damage step and creatures with double strike. So yeah, that was, that was one of those things I, I remember testing on and it was a, yeah. I, I I enjoyed that because it was like if, if suddenly you, like, lose the second one, you, like, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of, like, weird things that can go on with creating and uncreating combat damage. So what happens is in
1: the normal combat damage step, that's reserved for everyone that didn't do damage in the first strike combat damage step or creature, you know, and creatures with double strike. So if a... So let's say I attack you with two creatures. One of them has first strike. So one of them is a 2-2 with first strike. And the other one is a bear cub. Okay? Mm-hmm. There is going to be a first strike combat damage step. Okay? Or a combat damage step reserved for first strike. So my 2-2 knight is going to deal first strike damage to you. And then there's going to yep. be a round of priority priority dance. If you then give my bear cub first strike, okay, it, 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 this, this is something that this rule is in here to prevent. Um, you know, if it was just creatures with first strike deal combat damage in the first strike step, well, my bear cub didn't have first strike at that particular point. So when we go into normal combat damage, well, it's got first strike now, and so it wouldn't deal damage in, in this step. No. Right. And there's the game's like, no, no, don't be, no, 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 don't be. That's
0: very clever. Don't be
1: dumb or very clever of you, but no, no, no. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of rules that are in place because people way back in like 1993, 1994 were kind of shady or maybe not shady, but just, you know, try to, try to wheedle things, little, little, little advantages here and there because of the ambiguity in the rules.
0: I think that that was before a lot of people had internet in their homes, So people had nothing better to do. So I think that's what, you know, <laughs> that's what caused these things. Yeah. <laughs> so.
1: I realized, uh, I was playing, uh, commander with some buddies from work this past weekend. And I realized something came up and I realized that I was the only person that went through high school without it, like before the internet, really became a thing. And they were like, no, the internet existed. But When did you graduate? And I was like, 1994. And they're like, "Ah, the, the internet existed before then. I was like, not, I mean, technically, not but in rural Virginia, it didn't.
0: Not in any way that was meaningful. Like, yeah. And in, in the places you and I grew up, absolutely not. Right. I, 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 like,
1: I had to go off to college before I got one of them fancy email things.
0: <laughs> My first email address on AOL was Hyrule Sam, because I loved Legend of Zelda so much. Hyrule Sam at AOL.com. Oh. I, I was a nerd even then. <laughs> yeah, I, I had my official AOL email that my, my parents, like, monitored, and then I had my SailorMoon.com email that I just did whatever on because I was I, a wild child. I'm so old, I
1: had my Hotmail account before it was owned by Microsoft. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Ancient. Yes. After damage, after combat damage has been done and dead bodies have been carted off the field, uh, players get priority, they can do things. Now, keep in mind, creatures are still attacking creatures at this point, and They are still blocking creatures at this point. You can ninjutsu things.
0: <laughs> I suppose you could. Yes. So, yeah, here we are at the end of combat. Abilities that trigger at the end of combat go here. Effects that last until end of combat expire here. At the end of this step, all creatures and planeswalkers are removed from combat. So yeah, they they were still kind of on the battlefield side-eyeing each other. You know, the war's over, but they're kind of looking at each other, and and now they can stop. (laughs) So this creates a weird situation where creatures are still considered attacking creatures for a brief moment after they have dealt combat damage. So... Like if you have a creature that lets you draw a card when it deals combat damage to a player, and you draw a card that deals four damage to target attacking or blocking creature, you can deal that four combat damage now. Yeah. Or that four damage now, because yeah. Yep.
1: <laughs> That's uh yeah. Or you or you can again ninjutsu out that creature right ninja now ninjutsu. Right now.
0: <laughs> oh gosh, so here we go with shortcuts. Shortcuts blow my okay. mind a little bit. I'm not good at All these. All right,
1: so well, let's 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 put a cap. So that is the rules for the combat damage step. Pretty pretty straightforward, uh, except for the whole I can ninjutsu things out whenever I want and when things become uh, blockers and attackers and stuff like that. But turns out entering combat is actually like kind of problematic because a lot of times humans are in their main phase. And they just say stuff like combat, and the next thing they want to do is turn dude sideways in Declare Attackers. But that's kind of them immediately passing through a, a another step. And there's lots of things like crewing and animating creature lands and stuff like that that players might want to do in there. So we kind of have an awkward tournament shortcut.
0: An awkward tournament shortcut. That's a little awkward. Everything I do is a little awkward, so I probably won't notice the difference. So if, if the active player passes priority with an empty stack during their first main phase, the non-active player is assumed to be acting in beginning of combat unless they are affecting whether a beginning of combat ability triggers. Then, after those actions resolve or no actions took place, the active player receives priority at the beginning of combat. Beginning of combat triggered abilities, even ones that target, may be announced at this time.
1: Yeah, so let's let's deconstruct that a little bit. There's some timey wimey wibbly wobbly stuff going on in there. So yeah, th- this stuff wigs me out. Yeah. I'm not good at this. All right, so if the so let's break it down. If the active player passes priority with an empty stack during their first main phase, so I'm in pre combat pre combat main, and I indicate I want to move to attackers. Now I can say combat. Declare attackers. What's the first rule of Fight Club? You know, something along those lines. I'm indicating that I want to move into into swinging. The opponent, if they do anything, they are assumed to be acting when they have priority during the beginning of combat step. Okay? Unless... So if they doomblade a creature, they doombladed it in the beginning of combat. Okay? Unless... They're doomblading a creature that has a trigger that triggers at the beginning of combat. That's the unless they are affecting whether a beginning of combat ability triggers. So if I am targeting a bear cub, I cast doomblade in the beginning of combat. If I am targeting a, a goblin rabble master, that's a creature that's got a beginning of combat trigger, right?
0: Rabble, rabble, rabble. Yeah
1: yeah goblin rabble master at the beginning of combat on your turn create a one one yeah this was kind of the poster child for that so if i if I doomblade a bear cub I did that during the beginning of combat if I Doombladed a goblin rabble master I did it during your main phase okay so basically the the opponent is assumed to be to be doing it at what would strategically be the most advantageous time
0: and we can go in. That's and- a generous policy to take, and that, that makes sense to keep people from like hustle like purposely hustling past stuff to strategically. Yeah,
1: so this this particular combat, th- this is traditionally we have a lot of So traditionally the problem was things like move to combat, and then the opponent would respond with an instant, because that's all they can do on their turn. And then the opponent would say, like, oh, well, you responded to that during my main phase, so I'm going to now cast this sorcery or cast this creature with haste, and and now I can attack. And the opponent would be like, "What? What? No, I I, I wanted to do it at that time that I, I, I could do it right before." So in this particular case, the tournament shortcut is basically set up so that the non-active player is doing it at the most advantageous strategic time for them, because we're we're trying, most of the time when people say I want to move to combat, they're they're wanting to turn creatures sideways. Okay. Now, this is where we start getting into the timey-wimey stuff. Then, after those actions resolve, or no actions took place, the active player receives priority at the beginning of combat, and beginning of combat triggered ab- uh, triggered abilities, even the ones that target, may be announced at this time. So, so, Samma has a Goblin Rabble Master and a Bear Cub. Okay. And she is, she goes, combat, and I go, uh, Doomblade the Bear Cup. I Doombladed her when I had priority in beginning of combat. Then, after those actions resolve, the active player, Sama, gets priority in the beginning of combat. And her Goblin rabble Master trigger goes on the stack. Which should have already happened before Perfect. I cast my Doomblade. If I cast my Doomblade, when the tournament shortcut says I should. Goofiness. There is some there is some time travel in here. It's hand wavy, but it works. Like it it does what it's supposed to do, which is it protects both the the attacking player and the defending player in the places that they need to be protected uh, regarding ambiguity. So, just explaining that shortcut probably at some point have to we'll do a term shortcut deep dive, and this will be one of the ones that we go super deep on. Cause there's a lot.
0: to. I honestly about. really need to study up on it. I'm yeah. Th- this is one of those areas that uh, I, I struggle to wrap my head around because I just want to do things in order. And if it's not in order, then it's not in order and it's wrong. Yeah. So, so this has a little <laughs> bit of jump. now in
1: practice. Okay. In, in practice, it's going to, it's going to go something like where you, where you have potential problems is you say, I want to attack and I go, okay, I'm going to doomblade the bear cub. And you go okay. Well, in response, I'm going to use my bear cub to crew this vehicle, and I'm like, ah, oh, I wanted to Doomblade that instead, but y- you can't now. So there's a little bit there's a little bit of problems in like that area, but mm. overall, like the the old the old shortcut just had a lot of problems with vehicles. It was cleaner, but it had a lot of problems, and one of those problems was on camera at a GP and generated. Oh, well, I remember that. A lot of Reddit upsetness, so it changed to this weird thing that that people will will argue is is objectively better now, but it's definitely not as clean as the old policy was.
0: Well, as long as we never have to read anything on Reddit, <laughs> yeah, yes. it's all worth it in the end.
1: Yep, there there you go. Like HC uh, uh, hidden card error came about because of Reddit. T- tournament shortcut because of Reddit. All those complicated
0: things. You're trying to bait me into a hidden card error argument, and I'm not it's not gonna I'm not gonna be baited because hidden card error is the best infraction and it 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 just is. It's the end.
1: It's very complicated for what it's trying to do.
0: I think it's perfect. Okay. Ten out of ten. Okay.
1: This tournament shortcut so this tournament shortcut is (laughs) ten out of ten because it's perfect? No. How is it that you're like, I have I love hidden card error, but this tournament shortcut's tough? This this thing is Three sentences long.
0: Because it Because uh, <laughs> this doesn't make sense to do. Hidden card error does make sense to do. It, it, it does. Mm, maybe. We'll do a shortcut episode and fight about it later. Okay.
1: <laughs> I will come prepared with my cryptic commands and my muta vaults. So I think that's our episode. I think that's our episode.
0: All right, that's our episode. Join us next time when we talk about maybe shortcuts. Until then, you can. Oh no, next time is Kamigawa. Yeah, Yeah, next time is Kamigawa. Neon Fantasy. Yeah. (laughs) Just give it a different name every time. Yeah. So, all right, all right. That's our episode. Join us next time when we talk about Neon Dynasty. Until then, you can send us an email at judgecast at gmail.com or like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at judgecast. Till next time, I'm Samantha Har, and I keep it fun.
1: And I'm Brian Prillman, and I keep dealing first strike damage during the normie combat damage phase. Step.